This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome to Mum Life Untangled. I'm your host, Emma Bunting. I help new mums return to exercise to rebuild strength from the inside out by providing personal, group and virtual training with a community of like-minded mums. My business is called Motivate Mums and my mission is to educate, support and encourage mums to return to exercise safely after having a baby. In this podcast, I'm on a journey to untangle some of the complicated things that we experience as mums. My aim is to create clarity and understanding and leave you feeling inspired. All right, guys, today's about perimenopause and menopause. Um, I'm here today with Jackie Tui, who is a women's health and fitness coach and educator. And we're here to untangle some of the complicated things that are out there about understanding perimenopause and menopause, what it is, how it affects women, and what we can do about it. Jack helps women unravel the messy life, understands what's going on, and how to use movement, exercise, and lifestyle strategies to live a full and fabulous second half of life. I love that, Jack. I love the second half, second half of life. I love the fabulous in there and looking at it yes. as a different way. Exactly, because we don't get to midlife and then life ends. It's just the beginning, I reckon. Love it. <laughs> I love how that flows. Um, a little bit about Jack. Jack has completed a Bachelor of Applied Science at uni and worked in the fitness, health and sports industries for around the te- next 10 years after uni and then became a mother to three kids, all very different birth stories and a whole new appreciation and a fascination of a female physiology. And those little humans aren't so little anymore um, and now 23, <laughs> 21 and 18. Um, and although the human anatomy has not changed in the years Jack has been in the health and fitness industry, what we know about the human body has, and in particular the female physiology, and this is your jam. Studying, upskilling, researching female physiology and how to work with it, how to embrace its uniqueness and how to empower women. Jack's passion is to pass on a knowledge helping women unlock their potential and take control of their long-term health. Welcome, Jack. <laughs> Thanks, Em. That's a whole mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> I love it, though. I love I love that. Yeah, I love how you've captured it there in um, talking about, you know, the female body hasn't changed, but we're just learning more about it over time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we're learning more and more all the time. So we're really just scratching the the tip of the surface at the moment. We've got a long way to go, but it's really exciting research that's happening now and what's what we're finding out. And creating these fabulous conversations, I think, is so good. Uh, so true. And I love that you're starting this conversation about perimenopause and menopause with your crew because they're in the, what are they, sort of 30s? Yeah, sort of age bracket. Mm. Yeah, so it's an, the ideal time to really start to learn about what is going to happen within the next decade. Um, so you can really prepare yourself. You're really right in that sweet spot of making the most of what you've got while yeah. you've still got it mm. and setting yourself up for that second half of life. So thank you for the opportunity for today and for opening up this conversation. It's wonderful. Thank you. Before we get stuck right in, can you um, tell me what your morning routine looks like? I'd love to know. 
Yeah, my morning routine has changed over the years, uh, but at the moment I have found this really lovely routine of getting up just before six and taking, I've got two dogs, two spoodles, taking them for a walk to the local cafe. I found one that opens at six o'clock, so that's great. Have my coffee, end up walking for about 45 minutes to an hour, and then I head to the gym. And then after the gym, I'm into breakfast and into my day. That's how my day starts. That sounds Monday nice. to Friday. Weekends are a little bit different. That's goals for me for when my kids are a bit older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get stuck in then. So I want to go right back to the basics. Um, assume no one knows anything who's listening to this um, because I certainly didn't know a lot until more recently um, I started studying a, bit, a little bit more about it and kind of opened up the conversation. It's really made me interested. So what is classed as perimenopause? Okay, so perimenopause is, it's a relatively new term to the, what we have up until recently called just menopause in general. But perimenopause refers to that period of time, which can be up to about 10 years in the lead up to you actually reaching menopause. So perimenopause is actually the period of time where you are going through the major physiological changes to your body. The hormones are fluctuating. I can go into a bit more depth with that if you like. So that's the perimenopause phase. It can start as early as around 35, 36, but it's usually more into your 40s when it really starts to be noticed. Then the next step on from that is reaching menopause. Mm. Menopause is really just one date in time where you haven't had a menstrual period for 12 months. So it's really only known when you reach, you're sort of looking back in hindsight that that's the menopause date and then from then on you're post-menopause. So it's this this transition. You can even think of it as reverse puberty or your second puberty. So in puberty you go through the phase of your um, ovarian function really ramping up until you reach your reproductive years and then perimenopause is the winding back down of your ovarian function into your non-reproductive years, which is actually a lot more of your life than your reproductive mm. years. And you mentioned, you know, I always thought, I've got to be careful with my words now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I always thought perimenopause, menopause, you know, I would always just brush it off to thinking it's a long time away, but I think the more I learn, look, I'm 35 now, so it's good mm-hmm. to be aware, even prior to now, of what to, like, consider, what to look out for, and how to prepare for it what would you suggest of how that we can if there's anything prepare for coming into perimenopause yeah so the 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 number one thing is education so this conversation is ideal so it's just becoming aware of what will happen towards the end of your reproductive years and did you do you want me to go into a little bit of detail a bit more detail about what actually happens yeah with regards to the hormones Mm. and that Sure. Okay, so a little quick snapshot of our menstrual cycle. So, and what I'm talking about now is um, if you're not on any oral, oral contraceptive pills or anything like that, you're having a natural menstrual cycle. So day one of your cycle is when you have your, your period starts and then your hormones are at their lowest level then. So the chief hormones I'm talking about are estrogen and progesterone. Um, as you go through that first two weeks of the, I'm talking about a 28 day cycle, which is sort of average. The first two weeks, your estrogen levels gradually kick up and that's your ovaries producing a mature follicle 
trying to make it grow. So when it reaches ovulation, uh, which is around about the middle of that 28-day cycle, the um, mature follicle pops open and an egg comes out. So estrogen peaks up just before that. As you ovulate, the hormones drop back down and then progesterone kicks in as well as estrogen because progesterone is made from what's left over where the egg pops out of. So you need to ovulate to produce progesterone. And then the second half of your cycle is what we call the um, high hormone phase or the um, luteal phase. The first part's follicular, second part is um, the luteal phase, high hormone phase, which you can feel start towards the end of that, start to experience those PMS symptoms, and then they all drop off and you start your bleed and it all starts again. So normally, over the course of your reproductive years, if you're leading a healthy lifestyle, your um, monthly cycles are pretty uniform. And it's a really good report card if something is not going well in your health, that it shows up in your menstrual cycle in some way, shorter, longer, heavier flow, shorter flow, those sorts of things, or disappears completely. When we get to perimenopause, the ovarian function is starting to really slow down um, and we reach this phase where the ovaries might start to spit out a few more eggs. So things aren't as, as regular as they used to be. And so, therefore, the hormones that we're producing are sort of up and down all over the place place and they're out of whack relative to what they normally are and it's those hormones being out of um, regulation or out of sync or out of ratio that causes the feelings that we feel within our bodies because we have estrogen receptors all over all through our system that do a the hormone does a whole variety of different things it keeps our muscles strong it will helps us build muscle helps us build bone it uh, helps keep our blood vessels pliable um, it's involved in insulin regulation it's involved in keeping our minds keeping our um, uh, what are they called our feel good hormones flowing it's involved in so many different things that when those hormones do eventually flatline that's why we we feel all these different symptoms as they can be called. Yeah, so things to look out for initially is the change, any change to your menstrual cycle. Quite often it starts as showing up being shorter cycles. So rather than maybe you were a 28-day, pretty regular 28-day cycle, maybe they sneak into 25 days, maybe even to 21 days. Then you might start having some really irregular cycles, longer ones, shorter ones, and then things happen with your flow, heavier flow, lighter flow. Sometimes uh, you might skip periods, might go for a really long period of time. There's other symptoms that you can start to see and feel as well, so potentially hot flashes or night sweats. Um, if you're getting premenstrual symptoms that you never actually have suffered from before, maybe they can kick in. You can get the heavier breasts. You can have that brain fog sort of feeling. Uh, there's also things like um, heart palpitations. There's a whole range of things. People talk about dry vagina. That's not usually until towards the end of mm. the whole perimenopause phase. But, yeah, so it's really just becoming aware of what is going to happen and looking out for those early signs and starting conversations with, in particular, your family. If you've got older sisters, and your mum to see what they've gone through because there is a bit of a link as to maybe not necessarily exactly the same process but the age that you may be when you go through menopause. Very informative. Yeah, I was really sucked <laughs> in there. I was like, yes. And But if if you start 
feeling some of those symptoms. Me, 35, for start, you know, my menstrual cycles changes, a bit more PMS symptoms. Things are changing. What what can be done? Obviously, we can't change the fact that we're going through perimenopause, but mm-hmm. what can we do ourselves to either help our mind, help the body? Um, yeah, so there's some great things you can do. So first of all, uh, a place to start is to track your cycle and not just track it in terms of the days, but also the symptoms, what, what you're feeling. And and then you can start to pick up on some patterns that may be emerging. And then when things do change, you've got some data to go back to and see, oh, okay, so I was feeling those things. Maybe you can add headaches or something else in. But so tracking your cycle is a really good place to start. Then the next place is to really have a look at your your lifestyle, what are you doing, uh, how, how's your nutrition, how's your exercise, how's your overall well-being, your mental health, your emotional health, are you happy with what you're doing in work, doing a bit of a, a life audit, not all at once obviously, yeah. but just check, checking things off and starting to make some little changes. So if you're not, if, you know, if um maybe you're in quite a sedentary role at work. So just making sure that you are getting enough activity in a day. Uh, that strength training, well, I think we're all pretty big on this strength training in this mum safe space, aren't we? Yeah. That uh, strength training really does become part of your weekly go-to. There are so many studies out and there are more and more coming out um, that are linked to the benefits of strength training. It's not just in building and maintaining muscle and bone. It's got to do with our cognitive health. It's got to do with our cardiovascular health. It's got to do with our metabolic health. Mm. Uh, So strength training is just one of the best things that you can do. And it doesn't have to be going into a gym and lifting a barbell. You start where you're at and you, as long as you can progressively overload in time, that's all you need to do. Um, the other things to look at is your nutrition. Are you getting enough uh, omega-3s into your diet? They're really important in our, for our cognitive health. Uh, looking at enough protein as well because we want to be able to maintain and build that lean muscle mass. So protein is another really key thing. And fibre, just making sure that we're getting enough fibre in the diet, that the gut's staying nice and healthy. There's no one-size-fits-all mm diet or um, exercise approach. It's just looking at where you're at and can you make some tiny little tweaks to your lifestyle that are taking you one step better, one step closer to living a longer life. And when I say living a longer life, it's actually being physically active and functional rather than just surviving at life. Yeah, and digging deep into the strength training, it's not just about, um, you know, lifting the weights and building the muscle, it's about the, all the other things that surround that, the strength training. Um, and it doesn't mm. have to be, like you say, stepping into a gym. It could be body weight training to start with. It could be light training, especially if you haven't done uh, much strength training before. Would you suggest getting a trainer? Absolutely, I would. Because you want to, with strength training, you really want to move well first. So moving well um, is something that you need to practice. And you potentially need some guidance on, yes, we all move in our daily life, but if you are then going to start loading those movements, you you really want to move well. 
Um, so working with a trainer who understands working with the female body in particular, the female physiology, uh, that they understand that we do go through our cycles each month and we, we're not always going to be on our A game. We also have all these other physiological life loads going on. So working with a trainer is really important because they can keep you not only accountable, but they can also help you self-regulate so that you know when, so that you learn uh, when it's time to step things up or when it's time to pull back because you're not quite ready for it. Uh, and strength training, just as we were saying before, covers not just building lean muscle mass. One of the things that women, unfortunately, with perimenopause and menopause go through is um, bone density. We lose bone density significantly faster once we hit postmenopause if you're not doing anything about it. Mm. And you might think, well, I don't really need strong bones, but... You actually do. Yeah. <laughs> and there are some really frightening statistics. I should really know them. But if you have a fall in your 60s or 70s or older, the likelihood that that is going to send you on your downward spiral towards death is is significantly high. So strength training enables you to stay not only functionally strong, but you also have those quicker reaction speeds as well because your muscles contract faster. So if you happen to trip, you can catch yourself. Yeah. And then if you do happen to fall, your mus- your bones and your muscles are strong enough to, to take that impact. So it's a really important Yeah, that's a good way to look at it, actually. Mm-hmm. Strength train as you get older, for sure. Yeah, and just encourage that as well. Yes, yeah. And, you know, as we say, we, you don't have to go into the gym. There are so many different ways that you can approach strength training. The key is to be progressively overloading. So start with your body weight, then add some load. It could be sugar bag, bags of sugar. Yeah. It then could be holding on to your toddler. It then could be... Yeah, working with someone like you who has some more gear and can do the, you know, time under tension, that's another way to create mm. resistance. There's there's a whole variety of ways that you can do it, but working with a trainer is probably key. It's a great investment. I'd much prefer to invest in a trainer who's going to help me build health yeah. rather than invest in having to see doctors and specialists because of ill health down mm. the track. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, one thing I struggle with is if I'm talking to a friend, family, or, um, you know, a member close to me and they are suggesting signs and symptoms, I find it hard to then suggest that it could be that or to consider that because I feel like Mm -hmm. it's been such a hush hush thing to talk about. Like, how can we be more open in talking about this conversation and just, speak about it normally rather than, you know, like we would the menstrual cycle and just, because I've got a really good friend and even just suggesting that could be a possibility, I find it hard to say. Yeah. Do, do you ever yeah. find that a thing? Oh, look, definitely. And for me personally, like I probably really started feeling symptoms around mid-40s. Mm. But some of my friends were talking about it earlier than that. And the... And I, and I did feel a bit uncomfortable and I felt uncomfortable talking about getting my period in that when I was younger too. But it's just something you've got to get over and it's 50% of the population mm. have a menstrual cycle and will go through menopause and will suffer from some really debilitate, debilitating symptoms. Other women won't. There's a lot of women who just sail through, but there's a good chunk of women who who do also really suffer from them. So we've just got to get over ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> 
and 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 talk about it and be open about it. And as I just said, everyone, if you are born with a uterus and ovaries and live to your mid-50s, you will go through menopause. It's mm. as it's one of those certainties in life, birth, death, taxes, and menopause if you're a woman. Yeah. So let's talk about it. It's not it doesn't mean you're old. It's not triggered by aging. It's happening parallel to aging. So I should probably also mention that there are some so the average age of reaching menopause in Australia is about 52. So that's that 12 months since you've had a period. Mm. But there are a group of women who will go through early menopause. Early menopause is anything considered around 45, sort of less than 45. And there is another group of women who may go through reach menopause around their 40s and that's or anything earlier than 40 and that's called premature ovarian insufficiency. So women who, and, and that's a sort of a, a genetic concern, so women who are going through early menopause, they have a whole lot more of their life living with that changed biological state where they don't have like so their body's not exposed to estrogen as long as what the rest of us are. So they're missing out on a good 10, potentially 15 years of their life with estrogen in their body. So we need to normalise a conversation for those women as much as as us as well because there's that whole stigma around menopause and you end up with great hair, which I have, but that's through my choice. <laughs> um and wearing stretchy elastic pants and going off and doing water aerobics. I think that's, you know, mm. we've been sold that that's what a menopausal woman looks like. Yeah. But there are so many that it's it's not it's not about old age. It's it's a phase of life and that's where we need to start having the conversation around. Yeah. And you say about the you can go through it early. And now I'm thinking of mums who have babies later on in years. And then mm-hmm. go through early menopause, or could start the the perimenopause at the normal years. Um, yep, that would be pretty tough on them dealing with yeah, absolutely. New baby and it's and then... it's also it it's could be a potentially contributing factor to um, fertility issues. So if you do leave having children to later in life, whether through choice or circumstance that maybe you have one baby fine and then you leave it another few years and then it does become an issue, that fertility, it's another consideration. Yeah. And then I should also mention that there's uh, medical and surgical menopause. It, menopause can be caused through going through having some sort of surgical intervention, so whether it's through, it, it, which would be require removal of your ovaries mm. and you basically go into menopause overnight from the day before when you had your ovaries to the next day, gone, bang. And so that's, and the other way is medically induced menopause through treatment from cancer or, you know, radiation or chemo or something like that. So you have these women who are recovering from the surgery or the treatment, the reason why they have had to have the surgery or the treatment, so potentially it's cancer or something else, and then going through menopause. Mm-hmm. So they really do have the shit sandwich. Yeah. And the menopause that they go through is a lot more um, debilitating than what a natural menopause is. I don't want to say normally, mm. but in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow, there's so much uh, information to take in. <laughs> and you said before about finding the sweet spot in midlife. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. you know, if you're in the middle of this and if you're listening to this podcast and you think, oh, I feel like shit and I've got no energy to exercise and I think it's just encouraging you to look after yourself as much as you can and finding the mm-hmm. things you enjoy in life. You know, you've got your walks and going to the gym and that like really gives you um, same as me, you know, you find the thing that you love and it's not saying you have to do a workout every single day. You could do a, you know, a 20 minute workout and build it up over time and just increase, you know, the intensity, yeah. um, just to look after yourself a little bit more. So, and there's no test you can get to, to understand whether you're going through perimenopause. So you don't no. actually know if that's exactly yeah, it, what's going on. Yeah, that's right. So it's more, it's, it's sort of tip, tip checked out or tested on a symptom score. So if you go and see a GP and there are some great GPs who specialise in uh, working with women going through menopause and um, and looking at hormone therapy and that, they use a symptom score. So they'll go through a checklist. And there's quite a few that you can download. If you go to the Australian Menopausal Association website, they have a, a checklist there that you can download. And they've got some fantastic fact sheets as well as Jean Hales as well. That's another really good website to go to. Once you get into menopause, they can do a blood test for FSH. If that's elevated on two uh, occasions, I think it's three or six months apart, then they can say that, yes, you're definitely in menopause alongside not having a period. And, yeah, but it's never too late to start looking after Mm. yourself. Yeah. The earlier you start looking after yourself, the better. Yeah. And that's saying that I think we bandy around, you know, put your own oxygen mask on before you put someone else's on is very, very relevant with these midlife years. Mm. And the other thing to consider is midlife does happen when we're right in the middle of everything usually. So there's there's kids going on, there's you're quite often at the peak of your career if you're in if you're in the workforce or you're supporting a husband who's at the peak of his career mm. and there's just a lot going on, maybe elderly parents, mortgage you know, there's heaps going on. And then we're also facing these physiological changes. So be kind to yourself as well. You don't have to, you know, sort things out overnight and make a gazillion drastic changes. That's probably the worst thing you could do. But yeah. just one little one little change, little habits over time consistently creates the lasting change that you should be after. I love that. What are your – so after – after what you've just said there, I'm going to ask you what your three to five top tips of movement, exercise and lifestyle strategies. So mm-hmm. three to five top okay. tips. Three to five. All Hit right. Me. I have to say number one is if you can start doing some form of strength training or resistance training is to build that into your life or at least start and start, start small, start where you're at. That's number one. Number two is it is never too late to start. So if you are someone who does spend a lot of time at a desk or you, I know that you've probably got many listeners who are running around after kids and they think, oh, my God, I can't do something else, just find that something that you love. It could be dancing. It could be swimming. It could be riding a bike. It could be none of those things, but just find what it is that you love that you want to go back to do. That's that's number two. Uh, the other thing is if you are consistently training and you potentially have quite a few listeners who are into training already, is try and shift the mindset from thinking that long, slow cardio 
is the way to control your body, thinking about that exercise is a way of building a better life. Mm. So I know that there's many, many of us who have been using exercise as a way of controlling our bodies for a long period of time, but it's now time to really start thinking that exercise is the key to longevity and living a healthy, long life. Excellent. Good (laughs) tips. Love it. All right, Jack, I think we'll start to wrap it up unless there's anything else, anything else you'd like to touch on? I don't know. I think I've... No, that was great information. a lot of stuff. Really good. <laughs> I'll go through a couple of key takeaways. Um, mm-hmm. How important strength training is for females. Um, I still find a lot of women out there who are scared of trans- strength training, but just to reiterate how good it is. Um, mm-hmm. And we've gone over knowing and understanding that um, perimenopause can last up to 10 years, 10 to 12 years, did you say? Up to 12 yeah, years? Yeah, probably more like 10. Yeah. 10 years. Um, and... Menopause is 12 months without a period. Um, and yes. then you're only actually in menopause for, did you say one day? Well, it's just one date on the calendar yeah. is your menopausal date. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then how to use movement, exercise and lifestyle strategies to live a full and fabulous second half of life. Love that. <laughs> um, if you want to follow Jack, it's Jackie.tui on Instagram, if that's right. That's it. For yes. all that Jackie, fabulous. J-A-C-Q-U-I. For all your fabulous um, your posts and your tips and all, sharing all your fabulous knowledge. Thanks, Emma. Thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate that. It's been a that. pleasure. Thank you very much. If you are looking to return to exercise after having a baby, head to motivatemums.com to download my checklist on returning to exercise safely. And also follow me on Instagram, motivatemums.com.